Hey guys, welcome to season two of Saint City Dreamers. I'm really excited because this season's gonna be different than many other seasons. Well, how many seasons have we had? One. So it's gonna be different than the one season that we already had in that we are also filming trailers for each and every episode of this season. It's gonna be really exciting. You're gonna be able to get to know the people, the characters, the personalities of the folks that we are interviewing. You got to see that somewhat in the audio, but now you, if you're a visual person like me, you get to see and meet and, and be introduced to those folks. It's gonna be fun, it's gonna be exciting. It's We're gonna make uh, something new and something different. I don't know if this has ever been done before. It probably has, but not in the St. Louis area as far as I know. So I'm excited about this and today uh, is our first episode and I am lucky to be sitting with two of my friends, Brenna and John Hansen. I've actually been friends with Brenna for a while. John I met today, but mm -hmm. new best friends. I think we're probably gonna go play badminton after this <laughs> with short shorts on, right? Yeah, and tall socks. Absolutely. Good, that sounds good to me. Uh, so new friend, and I am in the Crest, the Crestwood. Crestwood. Crestwood area of St. Louis in their art-filled, absolutely beautiful mid-century modern home that much of was redesigned by John himself. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna jump into who they are and what they're about, but let me just give you a quick introduction, okay? Hold, okay, everybody, hold on, pull over, because this is gonna take a minute, okay? Because they're highly talented individuals. So Brenna, graphic designer, but illustrator first, probably. Mm -hmm. Graphic yeah. designer, she's an artist. She currently works for a, an agency called New, New Honor Society, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And she also has illustrated books, and maybe will still illustrate books for American Girl. Yes, so I, I just finished one. This is your second or third? My third. This is her third book, American Girl. You guys know this brand. It's the dolls that you buy for your daughters that cost $1,000. It's all Brenda's Basically. fault because she charges a ton for the illustrations <laughs> for the books. And so they can't afford her, but they need her because she's that good. And so they make you pay. On the Keep other buying end. the dolls. <laughs> <laughs> and, and John, man, this guy, he's a creator, he's an artist, he makes lamps and other found objects. A lot of furniture. You find them and make them. You mm -hmm. find them, tweak them, make them, fix them, make them better, make them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a, it's, all the above there. Yeah. It's not, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of people out there that will take something old, sand it down, put a nice coat of oil on it, mm -hmm. hemp oil or something, and it looks gorgeous, but they didn't really. There wasn't a tweak there. You, you're, you're tweaking. You're making something new. Yeah, I like to find something and then um, create something from it or using it that's completely different than what it was intended for when it was created initially. Yeah. So it's kind of neat taking something that somebody would discard um, or not really see much in and, and giving it a new life as, as something else. Yeah, I was pulling up to your guys' house. Again, beautiful MCM house here Thank you. in Crestwood. And I was pulling up and, you know, there's lots of homes. Uh, we're in a neighborhood and I wasn't exactly sure where I was the numbers actually the street numbers jump Yeah, right kind of goofy. So it jumps really a lot But then I see like a 57 Chevy door leaned up against the garage <laughs> and I was like, okay I'm in the right place yeah, it's, and then it's I, the one. Yeah. yeah, is that what kind of door is it? Am I right? Was I right about the door? Uh, it's often of an Apache so like a 63 Chevy okay. Apache but Nice. Yeah. I was we very, wanted close. The whole very truck, close. Very but close. We just took the door. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I also saw the I also saw the numbers on the, the front door, yeah, and I thought, yes, this is their house. I'm in the right place. Uh -huh. So John is the owner of Rebel Collective. That's right. And Rebel Collective is 
your your brainchild, your baby. It's the furniture, it's the lamps, it's the stuff that you may remake. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. You know, it started out as kind of uh, almost therapy from get away from work, and this is something that I'm passionate about. And I'd go down and work, and I'd clear my mind, and it was you know it was cathartic. And then I started ending up with so much stuff that I needed to start selling it. So out of necessity, I, I got into the marketing side and selling. And it's just kind of evolved from there. So it's really a cooperative between Brent and I. We do a lot of this stuff together. and It's nice that we have this, this thing that we can share and create together. Yeah, I actually like working in the shop. Um, it's, he tells me what to do pretty much. But uh, I still like it and I love the design part of it. Uh, when we're initially, or when he is initially starting a new piece, and I can kind of speak into at least my thoughts about how it should look or different yeah. tweaks that he could do to make it look better. Yeah. Well, I love the I love the uh, the segue. Let's talk about you two real quick. Okay. <laughs> Recently married. Yeah. Newlyweds. Mm-hmm. Tell tell me about that. How that story happened. Oh, uh, we met through a mutual friend, and. Uh, she didn't think she would like me at all at first, but no. I won her over. <laughs> and we got married almost a year ago now. It's been, uh, it's been a pretty awesome ride, though. Yeah, I, I would say he's... I've never had a boyfriend or um, a significant other that I can create with, or that was as creative as me. And I've definitely found that in him. And I, I think we just keep coming up with more and more stuff to do together yeah so. we feed off of each other and off of, yeah. our, off of each other's ideas like all day we're sending each other stuff that yeah. we find on the internet or whatever just uh, look at this look at this we could do this we could do that mm-hmm. i think we could do anything really i think so <laughs> i believe I <laughs> exactly that's yeah. at a soundtrack i know it sounds cheesy no i love it we, it's good we do. We are yeah, a we're good really at figuring things out, great you know? team. Yeah. So. It's good. Mm-hmm. You guys can't see this at home. I see this here, but they're not even looking at me at all. They're just looking at each other, <laughs> talking to me. It's the cutest, greatest thing I've ever seen. They even have a connection when there's another person interviewing, <laughs> which is totally beautiful. So tell me now, do you work outside of, of your, uh, your business? Yeah, I have a, um, a full-time job, so everything in my in, that I create is kind of nights, weekends, uh, mm-hmm. days off, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he never stops moving. Really. I like to work. He pops up out of bed and um, he, if he doesn't have anything to work on, he's asking me at like 7 a.m. on Saturday, what can I do? What can I make? Is there something I can start? And I uh, sometimes don't have it. I just have to make up stuff for a video because mm-hmm. he, he cannot sit. He so would you, would you consider yourself a maker? or a designer or creator, what, where does this sort of vision come from where you see a scrap of something and you go, oh, that could be that other thing? Uh, I, I, I guess it's kind of a blend. I, I part artist, but I don't think I'm as uh, a good enough artist to stand where my art would just stand on its own, so it has to have a function also. So I like to give it a function so that way it kind of legitimizes it a little bit and <laughs> and it makes it something that somebody would want to have in their home. But So I like the creative side, then I also like the, the technical side on how am I going to build this, how am I, all the problem solving stuff that goes with it. I, I really like problem solving. Yeah, we both do. Yeah. I, I think that's one of my favorite things about building is just 
when you come up against something that it seems like it might be impossible to do and just finding that right uh, way to cut it or the right way to um, whatever, seal it, anything mm -hmm. that's going to make it look cooler. Yeah, that's awesome. That's but, awesome. So tell me about a, tell me about a project that you two recently worked on that was particularly fulfilling, uh, maybe from both a relationship standpoint, but also a problem solving standpoint, and a beautiful piece that that was was the result. That's a lot. I know. We're I just looking at our little side table over there. This. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know what we we have no idea what to call that. Yeah, I don't know what to call it. It's not really a shelf. It's, it's like a behind the couch table almost. It's um, yeah. We just really fell in love with these mid-century low, um, maybe closer to benches, bench height um, mm -hmm. pieces that had doors or, or, or shelves in them that you could put stuff in because we have a lot of stuff that we want to <laughs> have out and display. <laughs> and that's always a problem because we don't have enough surfaces. Um, and we would send each other pictures for probably six or eight months we were talking about this piece that was going to go under the window and we had a industrial cart there for the longest time mm -hmm. and um, that's what we came up with so yeah can you say anything else about it no it was it was fun because the way it evolved you know i had we had sketches and drawings of what we wanted it to look like and then that's another thing is i like to create without a whole lot of restriction i like to kind of let let it do its own thing so once I start building it, I start seeing the shape come, and I'm like, no, I don't want doors on that. I just like these clean lines. It's just almost like a, like a box with legs, but, um, but I liked how simple and clean it was. But at the same time, the joinery was a little difficult just because the, it's all mahogany um, because of the thickness of the wood um, and working with the tools I had. <laughs> just, uh, you know, there's a lot of problem solving. Just because it's a simple shape doesn't mean it was necessarily easy to make. No, the more simple it is, the more more difficult it is yeah. to make it look great. I think you have to hide the you have to hide <sighs> the joints. You have to right. hide a lot no of things no fasteners like that are visible, anything like that. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Cool. So, when did each of you know uh, that you were gifted in your in your respective art talent? I don't know how to say this word. <laughs> uh, do you want to go first? No, I'll let you go first. I need to think about it. Okay. Um, well, I guess, I don't know if I really discovered that I was gifted per se. I just, creating was always a part of me growing up. My mom was very good at uh, just giving me the tools I needed to create. We lived in the country. I would just go explore. And I remember making anything from um, the tiny age of, too, even. I guess our backgrounds kind of mirror each other. Um, my parents were very resourceful. We didn't uh, we didn't hire people to come and fix things for us or or do work for us or, or whatever it is. Um, you know, we we fix something ourselves if it's broke. If we need something, then we make it and we figure it out. So I kind of came from that background, and I was fortunate in that respect. And I kind of carried that through with um, you know all the different things that we've done to the house here. And from that point, it just kind of, it was, I discovered it as being more of an outlet and, and you know, it helped me kind of settle in and it gave me time to be introspective. And so then I started, I've always had this kind of creative thing. I've got a background and I've got, one of my degrees is in, is in art. Um, I don't really do anything with it, but, 
but you know, I've always had that interest in in art and you know creative outlets, and I did a lot of photography and darkroom work back in the day when that was still a thing. <laughs> and so I guess it just evolved into kind of a blend of making and building uh, from my childhood, and then combining that with being creative and, and looking for new ways to make things and looking at things in different ways. Yeah, and just finding something and saying, I can make that. Yeah. Or I can make it better. Yeah. I like this aspect of it, but I don't like this part, so I'll make it myself and I'll, and I'll change it to, to fit what I think is cool. Yeah, I think that's... We, we share that common thread that we, we see anything. It could be whatever it is. Art, um, a pillowcase, a... Anything, yeah. a planter, and we just say we can make that. We could do that. Yeah, a lot of it's just looking at things that you see differently. Don't look at it for what its intended purpose was. I mean, I'd come home from work with stuff in my truck that I found in a dumpster, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I'd bring it home, and I'd it just look like I'm a scrapper or something like that. But then I go and I turn it into something, and and uh, you know, give it life, and people look at it and they're like, oh wow, I'd love to have that. Like, well, it was in a dumpster yeah. three months ago. He so. saves it from yeah. death. People throw too many things away. Yeah, they do. Well, and people don't um, cherish the things that they have. It, nothing's like an heirloom anymore, I feel like. Pieces of furniture are just, oh, it, it broke. Let's, we just throw it away and we go get a new one. Uh, instead of really fixing it and loving it and just keeping it nice. Yeah, we treat everything now like it's disposable. Mm -hmm. All of our possessions like they're disposable. Well, it, and it really, it is. We've, we've come to a point where things are disposable because they're so readily available everywhere and they're cheap and, uh, you know, we can get five million of them. We don't need to keep this one. Well, so. if they don't have any special meaning, that mm -hmm. the one that you still have, mm -hmm. you kept the one from your grandparents or something. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can see how they... Someone could easily just discard something as if it wasn't important anymore. Yeah. We do that in a lot of areas, though. We don't need to get super deep, but like we have right. relationships, we do that. I mean, mm -hmm. that's what the Tinder app is, yeah. right? Like yeah, this idea yeah. that that human beings and interactions and experiences are are not even recyclable, but just discardable. Swipe yeah. it away. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not important. Which it's it's a sad. That's pretty sad. Mm -hmm. but that's not what this podcast. Is about. <laughs> <laughs> that's another. Podcast. That's a totally different one. So. Uh, Brenna, I know you uh, have gone from working a full-time job to making the jump, as we call it on this podcast, about leaving mm -hmm. the full-time grind to do your own thing. And then, tell me about okay. that. <laughs> and now you're back, but tell me about each part of that process. Well, it's scary. It's um, it's not uh, it it's it was not comfortable for me because I'm a person that likes to have a cushion and, and know that I'm going to be safe. Uh, but it's very fulfilling. I would say um, I would like to, at some point, work for myself again. But I think one of my problems is that I have passion so distributed everywhere that it's hard for me to focus on one thing. Like, I, I just want to conquer everything. And it's uh, that's my... That's my problem. I've, I've got to find a way to, to not do that. Uh, but Do you feel like you're entrepreneurial? Do you, I mean, do you feel like that's who you are? Or, or, or are you um, more... You're an artist, obviously, but mm -hmm. are you... 
there, there are artists who are also interested in that entrepreneurial side. Mm-hmm. Are you interested in that side, or you just you just want to make your art and let someone else run mm-hmm. the biz? Well, uh, there's a side of me for the illustration. I definitely want to just make the art and let someone else run the biz. Uh, I have an agent in New York who just takes care of all the stuff that I don't want to take care of. Contracts, getting invoices out, uh, finding work. It's so hard for an artist to find work. I mean, if you have to um, advertise yourself and market yourself and create, where's the time to do both? You, mm. it's, it's hard. I feel for people who have to do everything at once because I know how difficult it is. Um, and, and usually artists aren't very good at marketing themselves because we'd be like, oh, this sucks. I hate it. And don't, you're not going to like it. And this is the worst thing I've ever done. So it doesn't really work. But I also have a side where I would love to have a thriving business where I don't necessarily um, oversee every little part, but um, just to work for myself would be amazing what would you want that to be that's the question yeah yeah um, like a shop or like no not retail Mm-mm. not retail I don't think I, I would love to design a retail space that's something I've always wanted yeah. to do uh, but being there every day and making sure that's running that's not really my thing I don't know I, I want to do everything I love designing. I I love interiors. I could see myself designing uh, fabric. I love fashion. Um, I love everything. I love everything. <laughs> I want to do it all. Um, I don't know. That's why um, it's. It, I'm glad I'm with him because he's a very he can focus my attentions, at least in the meantime. Like, you, you know what needs to be done, and you can help me kind of have a to-do list. We definitely complement each other very well. Yeah, because I mm-hmm. can tell him to chill out sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. how about you? I mean, what do you do? You have that desire, that entrepreneurial desire? You, you work a job? What, what job do you work, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I'm a police officer. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. I did not know that. Yeah, I am. Um... I don't really. I saw the police shirt in there, and I thought it was just like probably for a photo. <laughs> something shoot or I something found, like a thing. Yeah. No, no, not no. your typical <laughs> cop look, uh, or I mean, yeah. like nobody would really ever. Say that's why she. That's a cop. I kind of like that though. I don't want to look like. A I cop. like it too. That's actually why. I, you were I didn't. At I first. didn't. Yeah. As soon as I heard, oh, I'm a cop, <laughs> I was like picturing this, uh, and now I my thoughts on who cops are is totally changed. But I just pictured him as like macho and and not my type. Let's just say not my type. Like, I don't even know how to describe Fortunately, she gave me a chance though, so. Well, I, because you told me that and then you showed me some pictures of what you made. Yeah. And talks a little, we, got her back we had, we had some comment, like, I was surprised that he knew who artists were, and, and I could say, oh, I really like this, and he was like, oh, yeah, I loved that, too. When I was in school, I learned this about it, and I was like, wait a minute. Well, that, you know that's what cops do, right? They learn about a bunch of artists so they can press girls. Oh, mm-hmm. shoot. You didn't know? That's in the academy. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> 
um, musicians. They just learned a lot. Just a mm-hmm. lot of names. Like, oh, yeah. that's a Picasso. That's a Pollock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. I'm sorry. You're already married. It's done. <laughs> we both loved old stuff. Yeah. Too. Uh, like deeply loved anything old. I think the first time he showed me his collection of stuff, I was just swooning. Like, oh my gosh. This is turning into a love story of your <laughs> podcast. I love it. I love it. Um, so you're a police officer by day, mm-hmm, artist mm-hmm. by night. This yeah, could be this okay. could be a film. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, and and so, you know, obviously that is that your calling? I mean, or is that something you think maybe down the road if you if you are you entrepreneurial like in your yeah, that's, I mean, that's something I struggle with is I see that there's, you know, a, a need for, for good cops. And I think I'm a good cop. Um, he is. But at the same time, you know, I'm passionate about building and creating and, and I'd love to do that. And it's just, it's very fulfilling, but. He has a selflessness about him yeah. that doesn't allow him to not do for other people. He, he's very, um concerned about how cops are seen and mm-hmm. and I think it it kind of drives him to Well it's fantastic though. He has a platform and he's using mm-hmm. that platform for good. And I think that that yeah. is I think we all have a platform of some form right. or fashion. And when we choose to not to you well, when we choose to use that selflessly instead of selfishly, I think that that's when like the greater good or like that's when that's when change happens. Cuz I think you're right. I think, you know, I think we need to have, we're at that place where we need to have maybe a hundred great cops to mm-hmm. every one police officer who does yeah. something sketchy. I mean, mm-hmm. that, and that's just the way that we are as human beings too. Right. But you could remove the word police officer and put anything in there. We need, mm-hmm. you know, we have one bad egg and they jack it up for the rest of us. Yeah. So that's for just, sure. that's in general, I, I mean, just like someone could tell you a million great things about you, but you'll remember the one bad mm-hmm. Thing, and it will just sit and simmer in your head. You can't, you can't forget that one bad thing. And you'll get people that say, "Well, how how can you be a police officer and be associated with that? And you don't seem like a cop." But if all we do is put people in there to be cops that seem like cops and aren't aren't <laughs> different, then you're just going to keep getting the same cops. Right? Why would you? Yeah. So, yeah, people say, "Well, you don't seem like a cop. Why would you do that job? Why would you?" Well, if, if only people that have a disposition that you have this negative association with and you're just going to keep getting the same cops all the time. Yeah. So police officer and working in an agency Mm -hmm. currently and Mm -hmm. then pursuing your passions in your off time in the evenings Mm -hmm. and the weekends Mm -hmm. with it, with kids and and a house and different things. Uh, How has your life changed since, you know, since you've started to, I mean, I guess it maybe hasn't changed, but, how is your life different, do you think, than because you have these passions and these desires and, and, these, uh, and you work in these areas on your off time? I mean, a lot of America comes home and cracks a beer and watches TV for five hours a mm-hmm. night. You guys have a, a different path. I mean, most of the time I'm interviewing folks that are entrepreneurs who have made the jump. So I'm interested now in how you guys are in a transition or maybe not even in a transition. You're in a place right now where you're working full-time jobs, so you have the cushion, and then you're also pursuing your passions. How does that affect... I'm asking like five questions at once. But how does that affect like, like home life? And I, I, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting idea where you're... I suppose if the 
not a hobby, but if the ta- if the thing that you're doing as your talent grew to a certain level, you mm-hmm. would you could potentially leave the the workforces, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't know, I, and, but but you're not really working towards that. It doesn't seem like it seems like you guys are very content doing work during the day and then still pursuing your talents in the evening. Mm, I think we're working toward it. However, um, I oh, think that was that, me. That was my bad. Yeah, you have to be careful what you say because your boss is listening. <laughs> that's fine. Um, I I think they I think they would know this anyway. Well, your boss would. I don't know about your boss. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say that we are. We talk about leaving those day jobs and pursuing something outside of that. But we also, right now, we're, we're kind of at a place that's nice, that we can kind of dabble. And we have the cushion, so we have this job, which I love my job. I, I, I love what I do. I love the people I work with. And that I would miss greatly if I ever left. And right now, I don't need to leave. So if I'm enjoying this and I'm enjoying what I'm doing after work, I... I feel like I have the best of both worlds. The part that sucks is when, like, when I had a book due and I'm working full time and, you know, the book is really due and it's really, really due <laughs> this week. And I'm working, I'm waking up at seven. I'm in my regular job at nine, sometimes working on the book before I go into work, staying until, because advertising is um, you have long hours a lot. It's just when you have a deadline, you have a deadline. You have to stay late. So sometimes I'd be home at 7, and then I would eat, and then I would sit down at the computer, and I would work until 3 or 4 in the morning, and I would do the whole thing over again for weeks. And it feels like years when you're in it, and you're like, why did I do this? This is the dumbest decision I've ever made. And those times, I would really like to have one job. But then... When I think about letting one of them go, I can't do it. So, <laughs> um, um, we're just, we're trying to find the right balance. Yeah. I don't know what it is yet, but. I see value in what I'm doing right now, and I'm not ready to stop, but I know that this isn't something that I want to do until I'm, you know, however old. So, Eventually, I think it'll get to the point where I'm, I'm, I'm done being a cop, and I've had as much as I can take, and I'm ready to, to go to do this, and, and, and hopefully by that point, it's, it's established enough where I can, I can support my family and, and still provide. Yeah, well, and we have the added bonus of being able to save money at this point and, and talk about... What, what it would take and what we would need to do. And it will still be scary when we make a jump. But yeah. it, well, trust me, we'll, we'll plan it out. And, and, mm-hmm. and if need be, I will just we'll both go back to work. Yeah. Just, yeah, I mean, that, you know, that's one of the wonderful things about being talented, right? It's like, <laughs> well, <clears throat> yeah, uh, we, we, we did this on-ramp. We saved mm-hmm. up. We, we planned everything. We launched this company. If, if it doesn't work, if you made the jump... And you know you fell. And yeah, it didn't work. You, it's not like you lost your talent. You're still good at what you guys are good at. You can go back and do. I mean, you can do that anywhere. Yeah. Well, and people 
people are weird about like if you if you say that you want to quit your day job and, and people are just like aren't you scared about that and what what are you gonna do if it doesn't work out and it's like well I'll just, what if it does I'll work out though yeah yeah, yeah. you well, don't have to live think in fear of it. yeah, yeah. A lot of people live in fear I just think if you lose all your money you can just make more make and you more. just mm-hmm. you just wake up and you go and you just do totally and it'll be fine. Totally. So what is it about the design and the illustration and then the woodwork that inspires you? What is it from what we do that inspires us? Yeah, I mean, what is it about? Well, just what is it about? Mm -hmm. I mean, illustrating. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't draw. So I don't sit down and storytelling. Mm -hmm. Storytelling. I I thought I wanted to be a fine artist at first, which I, I, I do still love to paint, but I don't. I just found that anytime I would sit down to paint, I would want to paint in like multiple panels and I would want to have there just to be a story. And I didn't have a deep need to create something that was going to shock people or, or change the art world. I just wanted to tell stories in a beautiful way. And I didn't realize until an instructor said, you know, you, you can paint, but I really think you want to take an illustration class. I think that is what is going to really, you're going to get in there and you're just going to love it. You're going to fall in love with it. And I did. Absolutely. Hmm. So, um, I loved, I was drawn to children's books, I think, because at the time I had small kids. Well, I had my son in college, so I was like the only, uh, college kid (laughs) with a little baby. And, um, that was just my whole world. And, I think I was just drawn to children's books because of that. But also because I saw cool things happening um, in that genre that was attractive to me. People were changing the conversation and they were bringing kids new things, not just the same old stuff that we grew up with. So, yeah, and I think a lot of times when we're attracted to a specific sort of art style, that, that should be a little bit of an indicator for us that maybe that's something that we'd like to pursue if we're continually drawn back to kind of the same genre of, mm-hmm. of something or the same medium. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. What about you, Joan? Give me the question again. What, what is it about the work, the woodwork, the, the taking <clears throat> something old and making it something new that inspires you? Like, I think uh, this will sound weird until I explain it, but uh, surprising people. You know, like I didn't expect that to be this, or I didn't expect to see this in a certain way, or these things put together like that. I think that's kind of cool, though, is to catch people like, oh, I never thought of it like that. Or, and it goes back to like, oh, I never thought you'd be a cop because you don't seem like a cop. Um, it just, I don't know, I, I find a lot of joy in that. And I think it's fun, sorry if I interrupted you, I think it's a fun for you. Um, maybe not fun is the right word, but inspiring when you are looking for things or maybe not even looking for them, but you see a piece of wood or you see, uh, and there's just something about it that speaks to you. Like, yeah, the grain pattern or I started making these lamps for a while out of old, um, speakers like 1920s, uh, speakers that would sit on top of a radio or something. They were kind of a standalone thing. Um, they really didn't have much function unless you were into that, you know, antique radio restoring thing. But they were in, you know, such poor condition, they didn't have a lot of value. 
uh, in that way. And then so I took them apart and I made them a lamp and people think, oh yeah, well that was always a lamp. And that was not at all its, its purpose. And I started finding these and like the shape was cool and you know, it's just, it's, it's neat to just take that, breathe some new life into it and give it function in today's world because nobody needs a 1920 speaker that sits on top of a radio anymore. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, and I love the stories of things. Do you guys, I mean, like when you yeah. have a piece oh, yes. and you can find out more about it, if you've, if you've even, even if it's a, a piece of wood that was part of a barn that, mm-hmm. you know, used to be, you know, on the grounds of yeah. you know, the beer factory that we right. have here in town, you mm-hmm. know, you go, okay, now it's a table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I love, I love the, the, being able to tell stories about objects. I think that's fun too. I love knowing the history of where things that I find come from, like this table that we're sitting at. It came from a, a barn in Hillsborough, which is south of St. Louis, and it was just probably 150 years old. So it got disassembled, and fortunately some of the wood was saved, and I was lucky enough to get some of it. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, it gave a new life, and it continues to live on, despite its original intended function of being a barn. It's and gone. it's, now it's, it's a, weird, because like when you go in the shop, you can pick up... Or I feel like I can pick up a piece of wood and say, oh, well, this this piece is from that barn or mm-hmm. it, it's it's like part of a little family of yeah <laughs> and it has recognizable traits and um and it's, it's hard special. to get rid of like the cutoffs the ends and the scraps and stuff because it's like this has been around for 150 years yeah and even though it's a scrap now and you know it's not really that usable i mean who am i to throw this away hmm. so yeah. i end up with we're a, weirdos like that yeah i end up with this like, <laughs> collection of stuff that'll probably drive our children crazy but but even before that, it was a tree that was somewhere. Right. Sure. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. that tree grew. Somebody planted a seed and, you know, a tree grew. And then they took the tree yeah. down and then... Think about all the... It was in a barn. Transformations yeah. that's and happened. it wasn't as easy back then to cut... To oh, my gosh. Yeah. Planing. I think about planing. Yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's crazy. So what's the most rewarding part uh, for each of you in the, cre- in the creative process? Mm. The most rewarding part. Is it the end when it's the it came from concept to completion? Is it halfway through when you know you got it? I mean, what what is it? Is yeah, the first that time moment the pencil is, hits the. I it might be the when you feel like you've got it. Yeah. I think it's when you're you start a project, which is always exciting for me. That's one of my favorite parts. Is just like immersing myself in in characters or researching. Um, whatever it is that I'm working on and then I get started and usually I go through a little time where I'm like I I this is not this is not working I don't feel good about this and then you do that one drawing or or you finish a piece and it's just like ah yeah <laughs> uh, this is going to be okay it's going to be fine uh, there's always then, a turning point in every project especially if it's you know if it's you're building something according to a plan you know what it's going to look like when you're done you know what it's but when you're taking something, you just see the potential in it, and you're kind of letting it evolve. Yeah, evolve naturally in, into how it's intended to look. Um, once you hit that that moment when you see, like, yeah, this is it. This is it right here. This is this is how this is going to look. It's going to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably the most rewarding part. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So we ask the same three questions usually at the end of every podcast. The first one is, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Um, like 400 things probably in five years. <laughs> I wanted to be uh, a marine biologist. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be a fashion designer. Um, I think for a little while I wanted to be in politics. 
Uh, I wanted to be a ballet dancer. And then finally, I was like, um, I, I guess I'll just be an artist. And then, then it went from that to, I guess I'll do illustration. And then I fell in love with design and yeah. I know what I didn't want to be and that's, that's a cop. Um, but you know, I just kind of, that's the way it went. You know, I started school and I was, uh, in an engineering program. I decided that wasn't for me. And then I really liked philosophy and I got into that. And then I thought, what am I going to do with this? So I need something practical. And I really enjoyed, you know, art and I'd been doing photography a long time. My dad had a, we had a dark room in our basement when I was growing up. So, um, I got more and more into art and then. And then that didn't work out for me because I'm not talented enough of an artist. But That's not true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then I got to the point, you know, I graduated with uh, one of my degrees, like I said, was in graphic design, so I was doing that, and I didn't feel like I was good enough to keep progressing. My career was going to go, you know, really far doing that. And I was having a hard time just sitting at a desk and not feeling like I was doing anything that I was proud of when I left. You know, I just, it was just very you know, churning out things that it was just, you know, anybody could have done, I think. So, so I guess that's what led me into my current profession, but I still have to have that creative thing. And I think I've found, you know, it's not graphic design that I was good at, but I knew that there was something creatively that I needed to be doing. Um, I thought it was graphic design, discovered that's not where my, where my gifts were at. So fortunately, I think I found it anyway. It's awesome. So if you could do anything and you knew you could not fail, what would you do? Hmm. I would do nothing but create and yeah. never worry about money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I wouldn't create exactly to specification what people want. Yes. I would create something and let them see that yeah. <laughs> I can make this. But I because, you know... People ordering things that oh, I need it this size, this size. I want it to look like this. Yeah. Is you know it's it's necessary. Uh, I'd I'd love to just make and then people buy. Yeah. And just make, put it in a shoot, it goes away, and then you just keep. <laughs> yeah, that would be ideally. That's that's the way it works. It sounds like you guys need a business partner where you guys do that, and then they run the the. Business. Oh yeah, if anybody's <laughs> interested in doing the marketing aspect Give of us this course, uh, yeah. <laughs> we're very open to this. Um, um, because that's yeah, where my passion is not. So. Yeah, well, I don't think he'd want me in charge of anything. He knows I would not be. I'll put you in charge of anything. <laughs> so uh, what, what bit of advice do you have for people that are up-and-coming artists or up-and-coming creators? Um, mm -hmm. I, something I always say to um, kids or uh, younger uh, adults who are trying to do illustration or design and, and they feel discouraged because there's a lot of them. I, I say, I really stupidly just kept going with this dream to do it at, against all odds. I mean, I, I had a child when I was in college, which made it really difficult. Um, and I just knew that it was in me to do it and I just kept trying and I kept trying even though people were like well you, you might want to get it you know like some a serious job this might be more of a hobby for you and I didn't stop 
I just said stop and finally it will happen it will happen if if you want it enough it will happen and that's something people will say a lot yeah. but don't quit it's true don't Absolutely. quit don't don't get discouraged by what people say um, you know eat have money to eat and, and live but follow your passion yeah. keep creating keep mm-hmm. creating keep creating a lot of those just keep you know find joy in learning new things you know, that's the that's one of the most exciting things is I've taught myself how to do um, most of what I know anyway mm-hmm. uh, because I want to be able to do this. Well, I'm not afraid to go out and try it. I'm going to try it. So I've taught myself how to weld. I've taught myself how to, you know, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, if, you, if you're interested in something, just go do it. Learn it. Figure it out. Don't be afraid and to start. And don't, uh, don't hide yourself. Go out there. Meet people. Show them your art. Like, uh, I know we have a tendency to not want to do that. It's not ready. I don't want to show anybody yet. Show them your art. Meet other artists. Talk to people. You're never going to make it if you don't show someone. (laughs) Or at least be willing to put yourself out there. Because it is scary. But I guarantee you, like, worst case scenario is there there really isn't one. (laughs) So what if if it doesn't work? What are you on? Yeah. You learn something new. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Even photographers should carry physical portfolios. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I don't, yeah. People don't go to your website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carry physical portfolios that you can show people. And be, I wouldn't say obnoxious about it, but everybody should know that, oh, that's Dave. That's his thing. That's mm-hmm. Tim. That's what he mm-hmm. does. They should know that about you. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not best friends. Yeah. Because you've put the portfolio in front of their face and mm-hmm. said, hey, have a look at this. Tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. And listen to people's feedback. And it, you can listen to it. Doesn't mean it's you're going to take it all in and and uh, and change who you are and, and how you make art and how you create. But you're hearing people's perspectives, and I think perspectives are important. I think your perspective is the most important as the artist. But it can also help shape. You could learn something new about how people see the world and their worldview, and I think that's important as well. So, well, very good, guys. Thank you for your time today. Thank you very much. Appreciate you opening up your house. It's a lot of fun. Uh, did you guys know that um, Marilyn Manson was your mailman? <laughs> we call him Wolf, Wolfman. Yeah, but, yeah. He, he loves us because we love Amazon Prime. So uh, it's, yeah, he really loves walking up like the driveway. It's a daily now. walk for him. <laughs> just yeah. so, if you're listening, <laughs> the doppelganger of Marilyn Manson just walked up and put uh, mail in uh, the mailbox, which, by the way, is guarded by cactus, which I'm sure mm-hmm. that the uh, man also loves. <laughs> we give him a little envelope every Christmas because uh, otherwise we're it's just not going to get mail anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we feel bad for him. But uh, we love him. Well, I feel bad for anybody in the Manson family as well. <laughs> Anyways, with that, we, we're, thank you for listening to another episode of St. City Dreamers. Uh, keep dreaming, St. Louis. Make the jump. Don't be afraid. Keep trying, keep making portfolios, keep making art, uh, and uh, if you want, you know, quit your day job. So, until next time, say goodbye to the people. Bye, people. Thank you. Thank you for listening. See you next time.